Hello everyone, I'm Karen Das and on today's episode of Appetite for Discussion TT, we continue our discussion on cancer. Oncologist Dr. Akash Maniam joins me today. Hello, Dr. Maniam. Hello, how are you? I am well, thank you. Dr. Maniam practices in the UK. He's also a clinical director at the NGO Caribbean Cancer Research Initiative. Now, there was a story recently that shocked many of her fans around the world. The headline, Olivia Newton-John dies after 30-year breast cancer battle. Now, the singer-actress advocate was diagnosed with breast cancer in the early 90s. And according to the stories, she was treated. She went into remission. Years later, the cancer returned, not in her breasts, but in her shoulder. And a couple of years after, in her back. Now, this was a 30-year journey. And this is just one of the numerous stories we hear about recovery and remission. We hear about relapse and recurrence. But uh, with this particular story, though, when you consider someone like the late Olivia Newton-John, someone who obviously had access to the best medical care, naturally, the question is, what is there for the rest of us? And what's the point to all of this if you succumb to cancer anyway. So this brings us to the topic today. We are going to discuss recovery, remission, relapse, and recurrence. So Dr. Maniam, you being an oncologist and in your practice, have you come across uh, feelings like that or questions like that? People asking, well, why even bother with this? All the time. Mm. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's probably the most human thing to ask. Yeah. Um, you know, being di- diagnosed with cancer is it's a devastating thing. It's its its a life-changing thing, no matter what type, no matter what stage, just the word carries so much significance. And I think quite often when patients come in and they're ready to discuss treatment, it can feel like a barrage. You're discussing so many different things, so many different treatment options, and it, it can feel like an information overload. So it's quite natural that both the disease and the treatments can feel quite daunting or even burdensome to people. And what he said is certainly true. Ultimately, people want to know, if I go through all of this, am I going to be cured? Am I going to be free of it? And that, that's the most human thing to ask. I think it's what anybody would ask, really, in this sort of situation. So it is very common. It is certainly a very common situation that we have in clinic. And it takes up a lot of our time, really, just trying to manage expectations and reassure patients where possible and provide at the very least, some compassion and some empathy as we recognize that they're going through something very difficult. Well, in one of our episodes, we covered chemotherapy and uh, there was a message or a question that I received. Someone asked, well, with chemotherapy, you go through chemotherapy, is there any guarantee the cancer won't return? Yeah, and I think this ties into the same question and it's always important to manage expectations. There isn't any medical treatment on earth that could ever guarantee anything. Uh, certainly chemotherapy is one of those radiotherapy, surgery anything really even if you even if you give people tablets for diabetes or for heart disease or high cholesterol, it doesn't mean that they can't get uh, complications of diabetes or it, can't, it doesn't mean they can't get a stroke or a heart attack or anything else what you're doing is hoping that you're giving patients the best options the safest options, the, the best treatment for their disease and their particular fitness level and you're giving treatments that have some evidence behind them and treatments where the majority of people who take them derive some benefit. But obviously, there will be some who don't benefit at all. Mm-hmm. And that holds true for any treatment that you give. 
Well, let's talk about recovery and remission. I, I often hear the word remission. Recovery, I can understand. Remission, for some people, it's a little blurred. Uh, so you being the oncologist, we're going to rely on your uh, definition of remission. Honestly, it's a difficult thing to define mm. because it's not a term that, that you use often, I think, from our side. We don't use it as much as I think it's used in the media and by patients. I think I tend to reserve remission more for cancers of the blood or advanced cancers. And what you're looking for at remission is you have a cancer that you could see or a cancer that is causing symptoms or some level of impact on the body and you've treated it and that impact has quietened, that impact has subsided. It may not have gone away, although sometimes it does, but it's at the very least quiet. It's not active. Mm. So what you're really looking at remission is getting the symptoms and the impact of the cancer under control for whatever length of time that could be. And there are different types of remission. It can be partial where you have some level of control, but you can still see some activity of the cancer, whether it's some spots on the scan or some activity in the blood, or you can have a complete remission where there is no evidence of the cancer on the scans or no evidence in the blood or any other tests that are done. But essentially, that's what remission is looking at. It's just looking at a level of control of the disease. And what you're hoping for in those situations is that the patient has a quality of life benefit. So they're able to eat well, they're able to function, they're able to work, they're able to enjoy life. That goes hand in hand with a good remission. That's what you're really looking for. And they're still on medication? Not always, mm -hmm. but commonly, yes. So if you're looking at say, cancers of the blood, like say uh, a chronic leukemia, Quite often you would be on tablets to maintain that remission, but not always. Some people can have a remission and go off treatment and their remission is still maintained. So it really does depend. But for many people, yes, you're on some level of medication. Right. So relapse, recurrence and relapse. And I think this is where a lot of people now would perk up and pay close attention to that whole yeah. situation of relapse. Tell us a little bit about relapse and recurrence. No problem. Well, I think those two terms are much more interchangeable. Um, you can use those terms quite readily together. If you had breast cancer 20 years ago or five years ago, you know, you had surgery, you had radiation, you had chemo, you were discharged from the oncology clinic. They've said, look, there's no evidence of cancer. You're cured. And then you find a new lump somewhere or it's in the bones or the liver or the lung or the brain or somewhere. It would be appropriate to say the cancer has returned the cancer has recurred, the cancer has relapsed. You know, there, there is a lot of interchangeability in those terms. So I think relapse and, and recurrence can be used quite interchangeably. You're really looking at a person whose cancer was quiet, was dormant, was cured, was not visible, and then it became visible again. Well, you said like it can come back 20 years later, so there's no way of really knowing. But how would a patient know that uh, something is off? Again, it's very tricky because you, you don't want to you don't want to tell everybody every single symptom that could happen because then, I mean, you have to understand anxiety is always going to be high and someone has gone through Correct. gone through it. You're always going to be looking for for things and and any little symptom will trigger those sorts of thoughts. Um, the reality is that the, the presentation is completely variable. It depends on the type of cancer someone had. It depends on what treatments they've had before. You know, if you take breast cancer and it's been treated for a long time and it's essentially it's cured, it could come back in the breast. If you've had a mastectomy, it could come back around the scar. It could come back under the armpit. 
it could come back in the glands in the neck it can come back in the bones or the lungs or the brain or the liver anywhere else so it could even come back in the other breast so asking what symptoms to look out for telling patients what they should look out for mm -hmm. it's very difficult because it could be anything mm -hmm. for most people it's nothing until it's very late you may just feel tired you may just find that your appetite isn't what it used to be you might be losing weight unexpectedly you may find a lump around the area or you may find if it's in the bone that it's painful in that particular area you mentioned Olivia Newton-John say it was in the shoulder or the spine she may have felt pain in that area and that may have prompted investigation so it really depends on where it is and how much is there so most people don't tend to notice it until it's quite um, pronounced because the bodies tend to cope for a few months at least before they really start to feel something out of the ordinary you know because if you're telling patients you may feel a bit tired or your appetite may be a bit low many people may just feel like that normally for a few weeks and and not really think anything of it they may have had a flu or a cold or you know if they're more elderly the appetite just declines naturally with age they may have something else going on and maybe a stressful period in their life so there can be a confluence of these things and and the symptoms may overlap with so many things that just happen normally in life so it's very very difficult to say what to look out for we just usually say if something is persistent or really out of the ordinary come back to us so patients always have access to the oncology clinic they always have access whether it's by the clinic line by the by the nurses by the doctors etc they always have a line of contact so we tend to have a very low threshold for seeing patients and investigating them. We have a very low threshold for doing scans if we think there's anything kind of dubious or anything we're uncertain of. So patients can at least rest assured that we, we don't trivialize their symptoms when they have them. We, we do treat them with a, a high index of suspicion, but we don't want people also proactively looking for the rest of their lives for symptoms that may never come or that may not mean anything because we want patients to live. We want them to enjoy their life. We want them to have quality and spending 20 years worrying about the cancer coming back and looking for it every day. It, it isn't consistent with a life full of quality and enjoyment. You know, it is a difficult one. When they say the cancer spread to another part of your body, how does it spread? How does cancer spread the bloodstream? Most commonly, yes. Um, it can spread via the bloodstream. It can also spread by, via what we call the lymphatics. So, you know, we all have lymph nodes. We have lymph glands in our body. They are a network around the body and they carry this fluid called lymph, which is very important for defense. So it marshals your white blood cells, which are important for your defense and your immunity. But cancer can also hijack those same transport links and spread like that. So for breast cancer, it very commonly uses that and spreads to the glands under the armpit, for instance. So it can spread via the blood and it can spread via the, the lymphatic channels. Those are the two most common ways for, for cancer to spread. And when it comes to treatment, I know it might be different for each person. Do you have to go through another round of chemotherapy when you have um, a, a relapse? Yeah, you're right. It really does depend. And it really depends on the type of cancer and what it's actually doing to someone. And it depends on how well they've responded previously to treatment, like how long they've been free of the disease, uh, what treatments we have available now, and their other health issues, their age, their, their fitness levels, to decide what the best thing to do would be. Because for some cancers, you may say, maybe I just won't treat this right now because the treatments might be more harmful or the cancer is very slow growing. For others, 
say, more aggressive cancers like pancreatic cancers or ovarian cancers, chemotherapy is very commonly used when it comes back. For breast cancer, chemo may be used, but there are so many types of breast cancer um, and many breast cancers don't need chemotherapy up front. You can use other treatments that are gentler. And for other cancers like leukemias or kidney cancers, etc., or skin cancers, you may have other more targeted types of treatment that you can give. So it isn't necessarily chemotherapy at all. For many people in many situations, it is. And for some, you don't bother treating at all. You just you may just watch and wait and see how they go, especially if they're very elderly and you don't know if they're very fit for it or if the cancer is very, very slow growing. It's not causing much distress at this moment in time. You may say, well, you know, let's hold off until a bit later. We can always treat you in, in a year or six months. Let's, let's weigh up the risks and benefits more carefully first. So it isn't, it isn't black and white. Mm. There was another message that came in from a listener uh, who was telling me about her diagnosis with CML. Chronic, chronic myeloid leukemia. Right. Uh, a type of blood cancer. Yeah. So she is in remission. So just for someone who is in remission, and anything that you should do or shouldn't do when you're in remission? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one. So for CML, for many patients, the outcomes are very good. Um, many patients have very long periods of remission, sometimes decades of remission, sometimes just requiring tablets alone that are not chemotherapy-based. People can do very well. Look, I think when someone is in remission, it's just very important to, to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. We can give this advice to everybody, but I think it's particularly important for people going through this. Make the most of it. Whatever you wanted to do, travel, you know, have new experiences, Go and do it. Enjoy the quality time with your loved one. You know, it's really important to, to make full use of it because the duration of remission is never something one can take for granted. You do, it's never guaranteed. Yes. It could last two months. It could last 30 years, 40 years. We don't want someone living in fear of recurrence or fear of relapse because then it's usually worse at that point And usually things are more difficult at that point. During remission is often the best period that that person is going to have. I definitely would say enjoy it to the fullest, maximize that time as much as possible. And if you've been in remission for a long time, share your experiences. You can share them anonymously if you're uncomfortable, but share them. It's very important for for patients to hear other patients' stories. And so often our news feeds, our social media pages, our clinics are clouded with negative stories and negative experiences. Those are the ones that garner more attention and capture reader imagination more. The ones who tend to have good experiences often just stay quiet. And that's normal. I mean, we see that with every other type of news. But I'd say share your experiences. It's very important for people to feel hopeful. It's very important for them to feel like what they're going through has a silver lining, as you said, that it could be worth it, that they can actually have a relatively normal life or a good life afterwards. That sharing of hope is really important. What they shouldn't do is live in fear. And if they have symptoms, if they have concerns, if they're taking tablets to maintain the remission and they really don't like the tablets, they don't like the side effects, they've stopped taking them for a couple of weeks or a few days at home, don't keep that to yourself. Share that with your team. Share that information. That is so important. We may well support your decision not to take the tablets, but at the very least, we need to know. We need to know what's going on. So I think, as we said many times before on the podcast, dialogue and openness are so important. 
we are very happy to support your decisions, even if that decision is not to treat or to take a break. Sometimes that's just what's right for you. Just tell us. And this is where I'm going to ask you to share some information about the CCRI. It's an NGO here in Trinidad and Tobago, but it is a Caribbean Cancer Research Initiative. For those who are not familiar with the CCR initiative, tell us some more. Sure. So, as you said, we are a, a nonprofit organization. We're, we're here to help people who are either going through cancer themselves or have loved ones going through to try and address concerns, questions, you know, help demystify some of these things and demystify some of these processes. We would like to help you if you have questions during your treatment, you're not sure, you want to get some trusted advice, you want to reach out to us, just reach out. If you feel like it's a really busy clinic and your doctor, your nurse, etc., doesn't have the time and clinic to go through some of these things or you feel that you don't want to ask them or you forgot to ask them during your appointment, just reach out to us. You can go onto our website, which is pcrinitiative.com and you can contact us directly through the website. You can contact us via WhatsApp, via phone calls, via text, via email. All the information is on the website. You'll also see information about cancer and the services we have. You'll also see information about other patients and their stories, which are often honestly inspirational. All of this is free, so just reach out to us. We're happy to help. Thank you for listening. Remember to catch up with other episodes of Appetite for Discussion TT. Knowledge is power. Here's to a happy, healthy you.